Good day. Welcome here to Sports Stars Camogie. I'm Darren Kelly, joined by my partner in crime, Killian Whelan. Hi, Killian. Good afternoon to you, Darren. How are you? I'm living the dream, my friend. It's been a busy, busy week in Camogie, on and off the field. A lot for us to get through as well. But first, I want to start. Well done yourself. Friday night. Great show, the All-Stars. Um, some surprises, um, some obvious predictions and look, no doubt, an enjoyable night. How about everyone? Yeah, it was an enjoyable night. I, I've just about recovered now at this point. Um, yeah, but enjoyable and great to get out and be in, in an environment of, of socialising. I, I, I don't know when I last was at an event of that size, let's say, Darren, and, and uh, out having um, conversation with people and whatever I know, you know, you've done, I'm sure like yourself, the odd small event and you've been out with friends or whatever, but uh, of that scale, God, I, I think it must be nearly three years since I was in the situation. So it's um, mad, mad in a way um, that, you know, I nearly had to remind myself how to do it. And, um, <laughs> you know, there was definitely a lot of nervous energy and tension uh, prior to it. But look, it was expertly managed. I uh, have to, when I'm here, I suppose I, I will compliment. Uh, he's a man that's well known, of course, around the Crow Park scenario on big match days and, and a couple of other venues as well. But Robbie Smith was my, my director and, you know, kept everything running smoothly. And, you know, it was it was um, it was a well done night. I know some people probably found it unusual, the structure of it and so forth. But it was, um, you know, obviously to cater for the live event, but also the, the, the event in the room and stuff like that as well. So it might have been difficult if you were sitting at home uh, to maybe tune in and tune out uh, at different stages but look I think it worked to the scale that it was and great that it was streamed I think in lots of ways so other people could view it especially family members of, of those who weren't obviously able to attend because of the restricted numbers but um, look a good night yeah and um, you know really enjoyable really 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 good as I said from a from a social variety to be able to be back out there the three segments were absolutely brilliant but I will, like I will admit is watching it from home too and I can imagine others are having it split between the LGV do it too and I don't understand why there's the need to, to, to drag it out as such but that's only a small quibble for the time being as well I thought at least the one good thing it was put up uh, what time the next segment was on and, and you were pretty much on the ball with those times as well but it, it, it's a long night but it's a night of celebration and as opposed to these Camogie players they waited long enough for this because even last year where you emceed as well there was nobody there and at least this time they got a chance to be back together and I've no doubt a few of them definitely made the most of it and enjoyed their night out <laughs> Yeah I won't name names <laughs> but um, yeah there was look it, it was great and, and I have to say Darren it was brilliant to be able to have I said little conversations with these players that you know they're they're in the zone on match day and you know you will have the one or two don't want to talk to you before a match and that's probably understandable there will be one or two who will and then you know at the end of the game you you, you do know the ones who who are willing to talk to you or have the chat and even look if they're not being interviewed for us on the stream or anything like that they will have chats with you at the end of the game but their focus tends to be obviously always on the game or whatever so the other night now it was great to be able to said to have conversations with players from different counties and uh, reflect on how the year went for them and how things are going and that kind of I think just helps build contact and relationship and 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 uh, hopefully bodes well then for everyone complimentary of uh, what what we're doing here on sports does um what we're doing on the stream and then obviously you know that bodes well for making connections in for the championship so look it was again I said a healthy evening great to see uh, well done to all again award winners uh, as I said I think there might have been one or two surprises in some ways but um, I don't think you could deny anyone that won the award uh, getting the award so you know well done to all
No, and even I'm just looking at the 15 all-star names at the moment. Now, look, Zev and Elaine were chatting to, obviously, you know, the role you were in. You weren't doing predictions, and I thought I won't put you in the spot to make comments now. You can if you want, of course. But um, like Mary Ryan from Tipperary, Chloe Sickerson from Corkby, too. You'd, you'd feel what you got it for regards to getting into the team. But, of course, then again, when you look at the names there as well, like Sarah Healy in goal, Elena predicted her. All the three fullbacks we predicted between ourselves. Yo, Laura Tracy, we might not have predicted but who begrudge her like she's been absolutely superb at centre back coming into the team as well like Katie Nolan um, a deserving person as well and Nailish Riley probably underrated the work she put in this year too like so you know they're all deserving people and like I suppose the one thing with these teams Gillian is that look they are opinion at the end of the day and it's a difficult difficult job to do but uh, while I mentioned two names there that we thought probably were very very unlucky not to be in the team like you know it, it comes down to the question but the gun to me who do you leave out? And again, you ask two or three different people, they'll say two or three different names. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And I would imagine, you know, yourself and Elaine, I think, what did you agree on from eight to 15? So, you know, and, and, and then within the one to seven, you probably had one or one or two similarities. So I, I, I think most of us probably would have got 10 of the 15 definite and then you know you were kind of juggling between eight players probably for for four or five positions and you know you could mention maybe Neve Mallon as well could have been one that could have uh, could have sneaked in there you know there was some people were predicting that she might win an all-star for the efforts that she's made with down um, but Chloe I think is probably the most unfortunate one in some way um, because some people might say you know Maybe one or two of the early games in the championship didn't might mightn't have gone essentially her way. So, but look, I I I I still think she had a major part to play. But again, as I said, who do you leave out? And you know the way the team was kind of presented, there was maybe a little bit of juggling around in 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 scenarios. But like there was still when you list the six forwards and and the six backs you'd be kind of going, yeah, that'd be some team to put out on the field to play, Darren. So, you know, I don't think um, you could take from anyone, as I said, ultimately, they got the award, all deserving of it. And uh, well done again, as I said, to, 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 to everybody. And that includes the soaring stars as well. You say everybody would have gotten 10. I think I only got nine of the team myself. Elaine beat me nonetheless anyway. And I, <laughs> I got to give her the two euro. I really, really like the soaring stars team. I thought all the bases were covered through... Um, the Premier Junior and Intermediate and I have to compliment the All-Star Committee there. I think they nailed that soaring star team down to a T. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think there might, there might be one or two people might suggest that they were surprised by maybe the amount that Kilkenny might have got in in in, in some regard. But uh, I think if you were to look at the balance over the, over the whole year, um, you know, I think Kilkenny's defensive displays um, got them ultimately to that All-Ireland final and, you know, the Antrim forwards were the ones that were ultimately were, were clicking along and getting them them to to the to the, the Holy Grail as such and when one came up against the other, it was the Antrim crew that won out. So Antrim probably were dominating from midfield on and then Kilkenny along with Wexford, you know, was a, was a fine blend of mix there as he said in the, in the background. So look, it was... Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have any major issue with with the both teams as I said they were picked one or two probably unlucky in both, but other than that, you know, I, I think the the highlight of the fact that um, you know some of the key players there that continue to orchestrate things for their counties, and I'm thinking of say Kira Dunley for for example, you know the performance that she put in, although she obviously lost out in the All Ireland final, it just goes to show you the 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 the, the, the ability of Kira that, um, that she continues to do it year in year out for her county. 
Yeah, no, just even you mentioned Kilkenny there as well. It was put to me too how Kilkenny got four senior all stars and Tipperary got none. But I suppose we have to remember Kilkenny are league champions too, and that was probably taken into account as well. But again, it's down to picking the players and the positions at the end of the day. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what county they're from, whether they win or not, you know, if they're good enough in any particular year, they're deserving to be in there. Yeah, and look, Davina Tobin has done it uh, for the last two seasons, really solid campaign. So, you know, could she have been left out? I'm, I'm not necessarily sure about that. I think Denise Gall is on your all-star team, for, you know, for, for every year of the last five or six star. And there's just, she just has so much of an impact on ultimately on Kilkenny's season. Katie Nolan was a revelation. Um, she has been the last 18 months. Katie Nolan has really shot through in Kilkenny. So I don't think you take from that. And um, Megan Farrell, I think she'd be on most teams. So, you know, like, yeah, someone might say that, but where then do you input the Tipperary player if, if there's to be one? I think if, if anyone of all, it probably is going to be Mulrine is the one, but then who do you take out to facilitate um, Mulrine in there? So, um, look, I think Mulrine would have been very, very close to that team. There's no question about it, but... Uh, I, I don't think you can negate anybody that uh, ultimately got a spot. No, I agree with you completely in that. And well done to everybody involved for the night that was in it and uh, for the event and to all 30 winners and, of course, our players of the year too. I don't think with any m- major qualms about that. Like Chloe Cash, it was always tight between the three candidates and Chloe Cash very well this year. Maeve Kelly, it was always going to be herself or Roshi McCormick anyway. And Aoife Dunahoo, like as I jo- said, you would text joking on Friday night if Aoife Dunahoo didn't get it, we'd write. Uh, you know what I mean? But, um, and, you know, it just goes to show how unbelief is as well as she was talking about Neve Kenny, but I mean, it was always straightforward. Carl Murray, deserving manager of the year as well. You can make an argument for Alan Brennan and Wexford having done a double, but again, Carl Murray is well, he's achieving with Galway and the standards he's raising, deserving winner as well. So, all, all four uh, great players and managers of the year. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, you wouldn't have any, um, any doubt. As I said, it, it, it could have been close. Uh, with the Premier Junior and uh, the intermediate ones, but it was, you know, it, it was again, Chloe, Ca- Chloe Cash and Maeve Kelly, um, Maeve Kelly, a huge All-Ireland final, you know, turned up and and, and really um, worked the oracle for Antrim on, on the day and, uh, you know, had major mature performances um, over over the whole season uh, for Antrim. And then, you know, Aoife Dunahoo, despite the fact that Neve Kilkenny is my goat, uh, uh, Darren, uh, Aoife Dunahoo, just for the last couple of years, I just think is, has gone to a different kind of realm again, you know, and um, she, she, she could be challenging Kilkenny if she, if she sticks at it over the next few years and keeps uh, turning in those performances. I don't think there was any doubt, um, you know, and it just goes to show you the standard that, you know, the three players that were named, uh, you you wouldn't have, I don't think you would have faulted any one of the three if they had got it. I just think Dunahoo, though, um, like... When you, oh, she was, hey, this, this year there was no competition, like, you know, like, well, I agree with you. Okay, Kilkenny, well, I, uh, Kilkenny is my goat in regards overall, and of course, 2019, hmm. she was player of the year. Hannah Looney was absolutely superb for Cork, but like this year, like, even Aoife Dunahoo was like player of the match against Kilkenny in the group game. four player, games, was it? Player, three last year, and of course, it's already started off this year, the first streaming game with entry, player of the match as well. But no, she she was head and shoulders, and that's no disrespect to the other uh, nominees. I don't think anybody will argue. Aoife Dunahoo just played at a completely different level in 2021 
2021 and she started off 2022 the same way. We might have had comments about a particular incident in the game against Tipperary last week, but Eva Dunne, who was driving that Galway team at the moment, and I do completely agree with you, Killian, that like, I have a Mount Rushmore in Galway. Everyone knows where I'm from and it's Trace Maher, Sharon Glenn, uh, Neve Kilkenny and Sarah Dervin. But Aoife Dunahoo's going to be cho- uh, shoot- shooting for one of those spots in the next couple of years if she continues delivering the performances that she's delivering. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, as I you know, just said there to clarify that, that Aoife is definitely, she's in the, she's entered, how would I put it? She's entered the room anyway of Galway greats. There's no, there's no question about it. And uh, I don't think she's going to have to do a whole lot more to be able to cement her place uh, within that firmly, uh, Darren. And, you know, like when you were talking about her, I think in the same realm as Therese Maher and Eve Kilkenny, and the Sarah Durvins and, and others of this world, you know, that have uh, obviously served Galway well. It just goes to show you the, her ability as, as a player. And, uh, you know, I think she'll have a major say again, of course, in the 2022 championship. So, you know, don't be surprised if she's heading up, uh, picking up the, the award again uh, later on this year. If ourselves, Ailish O'Reilly and the two McGraths keep going the way they're going, we could be building a second Mount Rushmore in Galway, but <laughs> we might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. That's 2021. 2022 is happening. I had the honour of overseeing the draw, but we'll get to that in a moment. First, the news that Camogie, that you've been hinting at, I don't know if you knew uh, any more than you were hinting at, but you were hinting at it. We have Carmel Nocton and Glenn Dimplex announced five-year sponsorship of Camogie Championships and Camogie Association. Yeah, well, you know, at the at the end of the day, Darren, I think it was something that was being kept well under wraps because I did say that there was a couple of things I think had to be um, got over the line and uh, maybe a couple of uh, T's had to be crossed and I's had to be dotted. But look, uh, it doesn't matter in lots of ways. You know, the, the, the company, I think, is just that you have somebody that's committed uh, to it. And Glenn Dimplex are a company around a long time in Ireland to have, uh, an, you know, an international standing as well. So, you know, they, have links with Camogie and that's all that matters Darren and I think if they if they buy into the brand that they seem to be able to do with the Nocton family and with Carmel especially you know I, I, I think it's all bodes well for Camogie and you know some people might say it's an unusual one but sure you could mention that about various other different brands over the years and yet they knit it quite well together with various sports so look it's a it's a long-term commitment I have to say and that should you know I think take some of the pressure off the Camogie Association Darren that uh, you know they don't have to worry about it now for five years obviously it'll be visited I would imagine you know some way halfway through I'm sure that's a good business practice anyway to see how things are progressing but I just think for the Camogie Association as well you know, that um, maybe no opportunity to, um, how would I put it, populate maybe the, 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 the offices there in Crow Park a little bit and hopefully, you know, secure those media personnel, the communications personnel that they need and obviously as well an operations manager. And that then will take some of the pressure off because I, there's an awful lot of um, work on at the moment and like every element of the Camogie Association is uh, to the wall at the moment as regards trying to keep things moving and, and, and flowing. And I know on the All-Stars night anyway, and somebody and the OK and the Congress as well, all officers are used and all officers and all all people that are working part of the Camogie Association are involved. But like at the moment, you know, they're down about, I'd imagine, two, definitely three people anyway within uh, headquarters there because of the, the recent maybe movement, moving ons of people. So they badly need to have those um, positions filled so that uh, some of the pressure is taken off maybe people who, how would you put it, they necessarily wouldn't have 
you know, experience in certain areas and fields that they be. So, look, I think the sponsorship is great, promoting of the game. It'd be interesting to see you now where Glenn Timplex take this, how they utilize it, market it, and so forth. And I look forward to seeing that. But uh, I just think for the Camogie Association as well, it's a good shot in the arm and a good vote of confidence. Yeah, and look, that's the thing. At the end of the day here, and I'd like to make a point here as well, and I sent out a tweet on Saturday, which I'll mention later on in the show, but like we well where people up at the Camogie Association are working the very hardest to, to promote the game and all that, and they're always more than welcome to come and join us here on Sports Stars Camogie and talk about the work that has going on, even away from this capacity. Myself and Killian do work with Camogie Association committees to try and help promote the game or, or get the game out there as well, and we have the utmost respect of um, what the work they do. But we're here to talk about Camogie and sometimes other people don't agree and we have to take those points into, into account as well. And even just to touch my tweet there, Killian, seeing I have brought it up, like I put a tweet out on Saturday, not knocking the Camogie Association, but something I want them to address because I'm getting sick and tired of some Camogie teams now not releasing their starting teams. It's doing nothing for promoting the game. It's not making one blind bit of difference to the results of a match. Like I name-checked Cork in particular, did it twice in the league recently. We couldn't get uh, the actual team sheets for the minor Camogie final on Saturday. You know, I'm up until like Saturday. Like it just, it's pure and all ridiculous. And uh, the GA talk about stoppage on their side, I know it's a different organization, but it needs to be addressed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what is it serving? At the end of the day, you're playing a match, put your team out and let people know who's playing so they can get behind the team. People who can't get to the game can watch in the stream or whatever, want to know who's representing their county or who's going against them as well. Look, we know there's going to be shadow boxes. We know there's going to be position switches. We know there's going to be a couple of changes from the 15 that are announced, but just put the bleeding team out. Absolutely, Darren. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't ever understand it. Um, you know, like I just want to point out as well. Sorry, Cork are not the only ones who are doing it. Yeah, just, yeah, they did it twice yeah. recently. The three matches, and then Kilkenny joined in the second day. And you're just and you can go away. We're joining in the minor match there as well. And you kind of just come on, guys. Mm. Yeah, no, look, and it does nothing for promotion of the game. And then you can't be knocking the Camogie Association if they, if, if you feel they're not promoting it or whatever. If if counties are are in that scenario, I, I just think that without the presence of somebody in the communications office on a full-time basis, Darren, that's probably where some of these things are falling down. I think, you know, you have a full-time officer in there whose role it is to kind of chase those kind of things. I think that you, you may not see those kind of things happen. And, you know, I, I just don't understand when you're trying to do the stream and you're having to chase uh, the teams, you know, from the respective counties and, 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 uh, you know, it's literally hours before and you're trying to do your bit of homework because we would be doing in preparation because the last thing you want is to be on the stream and people saying he doesn't know who he's talking about. And uh, sure, like if you're not being released, the team and the side, you, 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 you know, you're, you're not going to be able to do that. And I just think promotion wise, it does not defer. And some people might say, you know, tough luck to you guys or whatever, but it's not just about us. It's, it's just people yeah, watching the stream. Like, people, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And what difference does it make if you're playing a match on a Saturday, put the team up in your social media on a Friday night. Yeah. What, what difference does it make? You know, I mean, some counties do do it and some counties are brilliant. Mm. But I mean, like and like when we were younger, Killian, and it's not that long ago when we were younger, like, you know, you'd be hearing teams announce. Like, I remember when Galway played Kildare in 1998, the Galway team was announced the week before the match. Now, granted, in fairness to a lot of man managers, they don't actually know their team when they have to submit the numbers. But still get it out there. Even the bureaus, even just promotion of your county, promotion of the big match. Put the team out there. At least we know who's who's representing the county and, and get, yeah, well, get on with it. I, I don't understand, Darren, before an All-Ireland final in, in the element of promotion, why, you know, some team isn't announced. You know, like he, if there's going to be changes, there's going to be changes. We, we're, we're around long enough now to allow for, for, for that. Um, and I know, obviously, A, another has disappeared um, off the realm. But, you know, I... 
listing a player's release a team if the you know even if it's not the team that maybe the players know about or whatever it might be at least it's putting it out there it's something to talk about promotion wise getting the game um, as I said out there I, I don't think the counties do themselves any favours in that regard you know messing around with it and I just hope it's not going to become something again now for the summer or whatever ahead of um, ahead of the championship action but you know like it's it's something I, I yeah it annoys me and I know it, it, it's definitely a bugbear of yours anyway um, but you know prior to matches you know where you were calling on Say contacts or whatever that we might have in respective counties, looking for looking for the teams rather than it, you know being made officially available. You know, like it's it just makes it more difficult than it needs to be. Yeah, like and the thing is, I mean, again, just to point out for PROs, we know it might necessarily be your fault. It's going to be down to team managers, like you know. But at the end of the day, you know, nobody's gaining out of it. You know, no team sheet ever won or lost a, a big match. So I just, I don't completely don't understand it. And it's not serving anyone any purpose. And if anything, Kelly, and I'll leave with this point, it's highlighting insecurities in teams if they're not releasing their, their teams out there. You know, and I, I think that's a fair point. There are exceptions to the rule where it works. You know, at the end of the day, it's ridiculous. Like Jim Gavin did the day, put his Dublin team out the day before and granted it used to be a Saturday lunchtime, which is a bit of a nuisance, but at least it was out there. And nobody, nobody's gaining out of it. Um, let's move on to championship draw. As I mentioned, I had the honour of overseeing it. Um, it's tasty, Killian. You know, I mean, there's two, in regards to the senior championship first, there's two very contrasting groups, I think it's fair to say. Opportunities for some of the teams outside the top four to make a big statement. And, um, uh, and certainly group one looks like it's going to be hell for letter from the word go. Yeah, that's, it, it is an interesting, it is an interesting situation. Oh, Darren, um, you know, I, I'm intrigued by it. I know you, you, you were kind of um, messaged me after the uh, championship draw took place and, you know, we're saying that one, one group you, you felt was obviously going to be very competitive. And just want to point out for the record, I didn't tell you the draw. Oh no, you didn't tell me the draw. No, no, I'm talking about when the draw. When the, when, 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 just want to put it on the, the record. Place. That's yeah, all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, like we were talking about the groups, and you, you know, your assessment of it was that obviously one was going to be extremely competitive, and that then there might be a situation where you know the other group was going to be clear enough, and then you know there might be a, a bit of a fight for the third place. So, look, uh, to me, looking at it, the top four probably will be looking at themselves going right okay um fighting it out whoever you know i think the suggestion might be whoever gets home advantage in the clash between cork and tip and galway and kilkenny um they would be thinking home advantage would get secure them then top of that group uh but i would expect cork galway tipperary and kilkenny to be in the knockout stages anyway uh, once it comes around and then that third place darren i think in both groups you know it's not a it's not a given here. Um, I just think though, you know, if you're Waterford, Wexford, Dublin, and Clare, you're going, oh my God, we can't cut a break here because they're all of similar kind of you know feelings. Let's say um, Waterford obviously are coming from Division Two, as will Wexford. Uh, they could be in Division One by, of course, um, uh, Sunday evening, but you know, or uh, next week, I should say. Uh, but like you know, the the, the scenario would be that. Um, all four of them will fancy getting that third place. Um, the other one mightn't be as clear cut either, but, uh, you know, you would be thinking Antrim, there's an opportunity here. I would think in group two, you know, mm-hmm. coming out of the intermediate championship, the run that they're on, um, you know, they, 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 they're, they're challenging again now in the latter stages, obviously, of division two um, could be again, as said, by this weekend in a, in a, in a, in a division two final. Um, and like, 
you know, you're looking at the other two teams, Offaly, uh, Limerick facing into a relegation playoff. Uh, Antrim were the ones that are heading in the right direction. Down, obviously, obviously, are safe, but, you know, wouldn't be in, let's say, a strong position. So that's why I was kind of saying to you after the draw, you know, that Antrim might fancy their opportunity here. So um, there could be a bit of a dark horse. It's, it, look, I think they're two cracking groups, Darren. I think we're going to have some great games. And, um, you know, we, we, we will see among the top four, you know, there, there will be their battle. You know, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out in the fixture. If it's a decisive factor about who gets through to the semi-final or whatever, well, then it could get interesting. But down along the line, you know, if you're looking at Water from Wexford who are competing in the Division 2 semi-final this weekend, you have Dublin who buoyed by the, the, the run that they had in the league and they did quite well for themselves. Clare on a bit of a bounce back as well. Sure, any one of those four could defeat each other on any given day. So, you know, that, that group one could get interesting. And also, let me throw it into the mix. One or two of them could fancy that, you know, on a given day, they could challenge a Cork or a Tipperary. So... You know, mm. that could be interesting. No, it certainly will be. And it's certainly a group that sweats the appetite very exciting. But even as you said there, where I don't know what Galway or Kilkenny think of the group draw themselves, like regards um, competitive matches leading into the knockout stages, mm. like no disrespect to the other four teams, but you'd imagine Galway and Kilkenny will be one and two with some distance. But all four teams, like I'd be agreeing with you, Antrim would be looking the favourites out of the four at the moment. But I mean, down Limerick and Offaly, we look at this as an opportunity that, you know, they can they can get up there. They can compete for a quarterfinal spot as well. And who knows could be the shot in the arm some of those counties need to turn around their fortunes uh, it promises to be very very exciting uh, 21st of May it all gets underway and uh, we're really really looking forward to it and to Seven Killian will do predictions closer to the time we've given a few away already but um, uh, just regards Waterford and Wexford as well we'll be previewing that in the third part of the show I should have mentioned earlier on and for those from Wexford yes we will be talking about that and you know we're, we're on about we'll be talking about it in the third part of the show Brian Brophy is also with us to talk about the minor A Camogie final uh, in the middle part of the show as well but Killian just before we move on I think uh, it's important we get this message out here as well you've retweeted it and I've retweeted it as well Brian Dowling of course the Kilkenny Camogie manager I, I just can't believe, can't believe what his family be going through at the moment but um, he lost his uncle Oliver Brennan uh, sadly in a house fire last week and his other uncle Dom survived but the house has been completely destroyed like they've lost everything that they had um, first things first our condolences with Brian and all his family uh, Dowling and Brennan families and all on this, just such a tragic loss but there's a GoFundMe page out there to help Dom, it's organised by Sean Downing as well. If you might check it out through Killian's page, my page, or on the Sports Stars page, and and give support if you can. Because look, Killian, it just goes to show is everything could be ha- rosy in the world one moment, and just like that, your whole life, your world is completely destroyed. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, my condolences, and uh, I sent a brief message to to Brian there, and uh, he was kind enough to come back and to acknowledge it. Um, you know, yeah, definitely. You know, it, it it's a, it's a tough one to be dealing with on on top of everything, and but it just goes to show you the trials and tribulations that people might have. I'm sure, you know, Brian and and his family are doing their utmost now, and uh, you know, they have to send their sincere sympathies on the on on the back of uh, his uncle that did die, and you know, the struggles then that they have to ensure that their other uncle then is going to be okay, and, and he will have a future home to be able to live in. But um, you know, again, it just goes to show you though 
um, Darren, you know, that message went out and to see the people that have responded, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. And again, it, you know, we give out about the Camogie, we give out about the GA and Times and whatever, which yet the whole element of the community, when it all comes together, it's just uh, absolutely fantastic to see. And, uh, you know, like there's been some, some response there uh, to, to, to all of that. And, uh, you know, I think they, they've already well surpassed um, what they were expecting, you know, and looking for. So, you know, great credit to everyone that's uh, chipped in there behind the Dowlings. And, you know, hopefully um, it'll bring some element of, of, of support and help, uh, Darren, in lots of ways. I know, obviously, when there's anyone has lost their life, you're not, we're not unfortunately going to be able to bring them back, but you'd be hoping that, um, you know, as he said, that, that this will be able to benefit. And I'm just even looking at it there now, you know, they're already have achieved over 10,000 above their goal. So, you know, uh, that's great to see. And I'm sure they'll continue to appreciate whatever anybody can give. So um, our condolences to the Dowling family and uh, the best best wishes and uh, our concerns, you know, in, in, in going forward that uh, everything will be okay for them. I completely echo that as well, Killian and Brian. Our thoughts are with you and your family again. I'm just going to repeat that senior draw one more time in case anybody hasn't seen it. Group 1, Cork, Tipperary, Waterford, Wexford, Dublin and Clare. Group 2, Galway, Kilkenny, Down, Antrim, Limerick and Offaly. We'll be talking more about that closer to the time. Killian, we'll quickly just run through Intermediate and Premier Junior before we wrap up the first segment of the show and just get your initial thoughts. Intermediate Championship, group. I should be saying now the Glendimplex Intermediate uh, Championship, Group 1, Westmead, Galway, Carlow, Leash, Dublin and Kerry. Group 2, Kilkenny, Mead, Derry, Cork, Kildare and Wexford. Uh, group 2 certainly looks like the group to be watching here. Yeah, some tasty enough encounters there, isn't it? Um, and, and uh, you know, Wexford will be kind of looking at, God, it could have been a bit fairer to us in a way if they're looking to uh, get back up to be uh, challenging and, and, and trying to get to the uh, to, to to the top of that, but like you know, it's it's um they'll fancy a quarterfinal slot, and I was yeah. double checking. There is quarterfinals and intermediate this year, I'm told. Uh, so they'll fancy a slot there because, like when you look at it, Mead are on a dip. Derry are always good in a big day. Kildare just probably haven't jumped on last year yet, but you never know what could happen. But Kilkenny, Cork, Wexford will will, will believe they can make that top three. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no doubt. And uh, as I said, two, two competitive groups. I, I would imagine Darren looking, look, you know, looking across the board. Westmead will they get a bit of a bounce back? Galway would obviously be, um, fancying their their scenarios there to maybe, uh, top that group. That probably will be a challenge for, um, you know, uh, for, um, the Galway crew there, and, and, and you know. Molly Dunn involved there heavily now coaching that side with with with, with uh, Cahill Murray as well. So you know they're they're keeping an eye and maybe challenging there. Uh, Carlo obviously the league hasn't gone well for them. Leash we don't know what Leash team will turn up. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know we should as well. Killian jumping in just compliment uh, congratulate Leash on surviving in Division Two because yeah. I know we yeah. we weren't predicting it like you know. But fair play, it's too early to say they've turned the corner. But at least it was a big result for them. Yeah, well that's and, that, and that's what I meant. I'm not being in any way critical. I'm, I said it's whatever leash team turns up because we've obviously seen in the league how, how you know the early starts of it didn't go well and maybe things have knuckled down now and that's you know that's good to see and they, they got a result and you know I, I didn't expect them to be Tipperary but they have and set that up and they've secured their status so well done to them on that and maybe there'll be again a dark horse in that group to come out into the quarterfinals who who knows Kerry might fancy their chances of course mm. and uh, you know whatever work has been done with Dublin I, I, I don't know I, I still think 
Westmead, Galway, Kerry could be the ones and maybe Leash could be a bit of a dark horse. Um, Mead, again, I'm sure, you know, things didn't go well against Cork the last day out there in the league. So hard to know. Derry could come with a run like they did last year, Darren. Um, I don't know about Kildare just yet. This could be, I know Joe was kind of trying uh, stressing that the point that they weren't targeting, obviously, the league because of the some of the the, the group, the, you know, that they were in the division that they were in, that it was going to be difficult enough. But like they still have to take on Kenny's second unit there. Um, you know, it was a, a, a advantage for them. They're not playing Wexford second first team as they did, and obviously in the league. Um, so look, I still think Cork are probably going to be the danger uh, crew there in 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 that group. And um, you know, maybe the likes of Derry, as I said, if they were to show some some of the run of last year, uh, could potentially. But you know, Cork Derry Mead probably um, Mead maybe being a bit of a dark horse. Kilkenny won't be obviously far away uh, there in 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 the intermediate championship. So still a lot to play for. Like put me on the spot, Darren. If you were, I, I find it very hard still to call. Um, I think that intermediate championship, though, still very much open. But I think Galway and Cork won't be far away at the end of it. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you there. I think it's a good draw for Westmead as well because they've been on a bit of a slippery slope over the last year mm. and a half and that could help them arrest that. We're down to 10 teams in Premier Junior, from my understanding. I don't think Mead were in the original draw, but they're not in it now. You have Armagh, Roscommon, Antrim, Limerick and Down in Group 1. Uh, in Group 2, you have Tipperary, Clare, Mayo, Cavan and Waterford. My first um, reaction is, look, Armagh will be the red-hot favourites in this, you'd imagine, but Antrim, uh, they seem to be going well with the second team at the moment. But Mayo against Cavan in the Premier Junior Championship. That's a game I hope I get a chance to see. Yeah, and that's uh, it's 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 great to see uh, Darren um, Mayo. You know, throwing their lot there now in, in that. I, I know that there's a there's a premise that that championship could be redrawn if somebody withdraws from from it. Um, but like you know, we we we've seen the ability of Cavan and uh, the, you know well able to hold their own. So again, there could be ones here that could you know surprise us yet. Tipperary. You know, the league has obviously gone well for them, but, you know, they're down at Premier Junior level here now, looking to bounce back, Darren, considering, you know, the form that Camogie's in within that county, I think they'll want to be getting back to intermediate. So, to me, they might be the ones that could trouble Armagh. I think that group over there, it suits Armagh, but again, the competitive element of it, I fancy Armagh to be going through top of the group there, winning all those matches. Uh, Darren, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I, You know, I think that, that that's going to be something that they're going to obviously target. You know, they have a a serious management team behind them. I don't think they're going to be overly happy with maybe how the league has gone for them, but I, I firmly believe Armagh would be the ones to take down and Tipperary could be the ones on the other side. So hard to see how it all plays out, but still could be a shocker one or two, but great to see Mayo and Cavan there being listed in that. Yeah, brilliant to see as well and be a competitive competition as well. And we look forward to looking at those again much closer to the time. That's it for the first part of the show. Coming up after the break, we Brian Brophy with us to look back at the minor A Camogie final. And then myself and Killian will be back with the third part of the show where we look ahead to Sunday's Littlewoods National League Division 2 semi-finals and all the talk around them as well. I like listening to Sports Dads because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him. Darren Kelly. Now welcome back to Sports Stars Camogie. Delighted to be joined by Brian Brophy as we look back at the All-Ireland Minor A Camogie final primary, but we'll touch on all four games. First, Brian, how are you keeping? Grand, Darren, thanks. Uh, we certainly got entertainment over the two weekends, but like, we'll focus in on the big game first in Semple Stadium in Turles. Uh, I don't think there's any arguments, Brian. Cork deserving All-Ireland champions. Yes, Darren. Uh, 
I think so. Um, they were the better team o- over the 60 minutes. Maybe for the first 10, 15, the, 10 minutes they weren't in it. But then when they got the goal, I really thought they'd win it from there from, from there on in um, and, deserve, and deserving winners, I think, in the end. Though Galway did get close and it got squeaky, but then they pulled ahead again near the end. And like you said, I think deserving winners on the day. Yeah, even as you mentioned, the start of the game too, the opening quarter, until actually the goal came um, for Cork. Uh, Galway were the better team at that point of the match, but Cork were dealing with the threats. And I suppose when the Galway's tactics probably let them let them down a little bit, but they don't want to take away from a superb performance from the likes of Aoife Healy. No, it, it really surprised me that Galway played Rabbit at centre-forward against her. She's an outstanding player, Aoife Healy. And I was very surprised. And I think when they moved Alwyn Rabbit in the second half, I think she got a couple of points. But having played each other in the first game, I thought there might be a few tactics at play. Cork named players at different numbers, but I think most of us knew where they were going to line up. <laughs> there was no secret we were texting each other, right? There was no secret we were no, I don't think he was cutting anybody with <laughs> with the numbers there. So I, I think anybody who, who knew it would know where they'd line up. But the, starting Alwyn Rabbit against Eva Healy was a surprise for me. That I, I, I personally would have put her somewhere else. But look, maybe they were hammering the hammer, but it didn't turn out that way. Goey come in with a bit of form too and the big score against Wexford. So you could understand why they were trying to isolate the two players inside too. But I suppose and they did change tactics in the second half to give Aaron Fox and his, man- and his management team their due. But they shouldn't have waited that long because they were they created a few scoring opportunities and did get they did get off the mark and need three points to one in the early stages. But um they were just the ball was just coming back to them constantly. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, I think in your commentary you alluded to it, the Cork haven't been conceding very much up to the up to the final. And to be fair to them, their their defence was was very very good. Um, but God, we got the start. The goal was unfortunate. Kick started Cork. I, I think it was the big score of the game. Um, that just got them going, and from there on in, uh, they were never they were never behind. I don't think after that and. And they were deserving winners. I think they they had the forwards with the two Mullins, you know, young two weeks stepping up from the 16s. And I just thought they had the greater firepower at the end of the day. Oh, they did indeed. As you mentioned, that goal from Orla Callaghan uh, from the um, free, which got in 21 minutes, gave them an advantage. That's, at the time, they didn't deserve, but they really, and I think you just nailed it down to a T, they really just upped the tempo there and they built themselves a buffer and if anything, you could say they could have made life easier for themselves in the second half. But then again, Galway, to their credit, refused to give in. Yeah, well, I think they got the seven points clear. And and to give great credit to Galway, they came back to within a point. And it was it was up for grabs. But maybe the tough games they obviously had in the semi-final and the quarter-final, um, where they got over the line by a point, it may have just stood to Cork then. And they were able to see it out and kick on again, which is... Great sign of a team. I mean, to be fair to them, you know, they've been there before. So they had been in that situation in the two games previous and they saw it out again. So fair play to them.
And as much as Galway did change in the second half and Alwyn Rabbit came out to the wing and started running down the right flank as well and causing core problems, obviously probably the big score of the game, like well, not necessarily was that free, was a wonderful goal it was too from Gary Morrison, putting the ball into the back of the net in 33 minutes. It, it finished off a great move involving a couple of players. It gave Cork a five-point buffer. And while they did stretch the seven at one stage, it gave them something to protect, especially when Galway started coming back. Yeah, I mean... To come back seven points against a team who conceded so little as Cork had was always going to be a big, big mountain for Galway to climb. And look, again, fair play to them. They nearly, they nearly did, you know. They they kept plugging away. They kept at it. And like you say, I think the change of tactics second half certainly certainly worked for them. And uh, I suppose maybe sometimes when you're playing a team, they played early on and maybe they overthought it a little bit. But I think... The best team won at the end of the day. I I think that's fair to say. All they did, and they built on that as well, had non further scores as well to go 2 8 to 1 4 in front. Like Fiona Tuig, I think she got she had three points from playing the game. Of course, Kira Morrison, as we mentioned already, uh, as we mentioned, Aoife Healy. But I, I do want to give a shout out to Orla Mullins because we said it in the commentary as well, Brian, that she had a couple of chances earlier on. Poor decision making has to be said and wise but she learned from it and that's what we're looking for a binder at the end of the day she learned from it and in the way she distributed the ball afterwards to allow others um, flourish on this big day as well I thought was very very uh, instrumental and key in Cork's victory Well I suppose as a captain she played a captain's role if you like her distribution was was excellent in, in the second half uh, it's a girl I'd have, I would have known since 13, 14 the two Orlis uh, Cahalan and herself all all the way up uh, with Dublin I would have come across them at under 14 I was just looking there was eight of them at under 14 that we actually played and they were there and young Tuig would have been on the B team and Condon and like one thing in Cork they have good people running the team like you I was thinking about it like you have Rob Lottie doing the academy then they go to Donny Daly at the 16s and then you've got Jerry Wallace. You know, you have serious people that from 14 right through are feeding those girls through the system and up and they're combining them because there was five of the starting team played on the under-16 team that beat Kilkenny in the under-16 final last year. Probably the best under-16 match I've ever been at or on standard I've ever seen. And the five of them are going to backbone the team next year. <laughs> <laughs> is the is the thing actually young Sheehan got the last point of the match and you know it's a credit to them down there yes they're a big county and they have a big big selection but they are channeling it through right you know you, I, I'd have great admiration for it's one thing having the players and everybody else but they also have the management mm. I think that gets overlooked they have good people running them and they're filtering them through and it's, and one thing, it's, it's becoming obvious. And it's one thing that Cork have addressed that a couple of years ago, because I couldn't believe it out with the 2018, I think it was the, was the minor final, and Cork hadn't won that competition in 15 years or something like that. So over the last half a decade to a decade, Cork have addressed that situation. Like we know these great Cork players that a lot of them have retired, a lot of them are still there in the senior setup, and no doubt they'll be there thereabouts again this year. But Cork have looked at themselves in regards 
their structure and bringing the players through and they're starting to reap the benefits of it again which goes to show that they'll still be knocking around for a much a long time to come yet Yes Darren um, I think they definitely have addressed it and I think from that 2018 team I think that's Fiona Keaton Laura Tracy now I think you're seeing on, on, on the senior team and uh, it surprised me that they hadn't won it when I had looked at it back at back at that time as well but they certainly have addressed it now. There's, there's, there's no doubt about it. And themselves and Galway have been the two. To be fair, in that final, they're the ones that really have over the last few years. Galway, I think, before 16s in a row, minor. So, I mean, those two counties have definitely done the work. And my, my interesting thing when I look back at the 2018 program. Uh, at under 14, because I referenced they had them girls started in the final. So, and two week and Condon, Sheehan were on the B team because they were a year, they're a year younger, uh, you know, and yet they've brought them all the way up to minor. So they've kept the standard and they've kept, and they've kept coming through. And uh, it's up to the other counties now to, to get up there because the other thing about the minor championship was, the top four counties, as we call them in the senior, were the four counties in the minor. Yeah, I was just about to ask you that. Well, I give a shout out to Waterford on that. As I in the earlier program, I had Waterford down as my dark horses, and they took Cork to extra time and only lost by a controversial point, a free in the last hook of the game. But generally speaking, those four counties are doing it not only at senior, now at minor, like again. The Tipperary team beaten in the semi-final had seven girls from last year's 16s that started in the semi-final against Cork. So again, there's a backbone there for next year's minors, as you can nearly see it. The interesting one for me was Kilkenny, obviously, been involved. It was only one girl, which was surprising. But uh, So they're bringing these girls and they're, and, and they're bringing them through. And and the, those four counties are are there now. We shout out, like I said, to Waterford, and I think you'll see some of them come through to the Waterford senior team. But the other counties really have to maybe up it a bit, especially starting at 13, 14. That's where it starts. Yeah, it's getting those structures right, coming right the way through as well. Some have had good moments, but as you said there, the, the big four were still there again. Waterford probably unlucky not to be part of that too. Brian, uh, just before I finish up, of course, we have to give a shout out to the Galway goals because Cork hadn't conceded any goals leading into this game. Um, the defence might have met a bit of being a bit clumsy. The Cork defence might be a bit clumsy about Catherine Hanley's goal as he seemed to just trickle over the line, but uh, no doubt Megan yeah. Cannon scored a fantastic goal for Galway. Yeah, fantastic goal coming through from midfield, bursting through. Um, yeah, really, really good goal. I mean, modern day goal, I suppose, off the shoulder, through. Going straight through and burying it. Um, a great goal from Megan. Absolutely. So that was Cork. Well done to the minor A Camogie champions. Just before we finish up, Brian, I think it'd be remiss of us if we don't give him a shout out to the other three champions. And we just quickly we mention awfully, like if you could argue oh. definitely was up there with one of the ga- games of the two weekends, their victory over Leash, only a point in it. Well, I'd say great relief in Offaly after losing a replay final last year and then winning it by a point and kind of losing down the stretch and getting over the line. So a big well done to them and uh, against a good Leash team. I watched that match and uh, yeah, very, very good and um, hopefully bodes well for the two counties, especially Leash, as we know, problems they may have been having at Intermediate and hopefully those girls and a blank canvas can go through and um, and feed their way through into the senior team there and and obviously awfully 
I don't know the seniors they may be relegated I'm not sure if it's a playoff or whatever but again but you'd say obviously but there's girls there then hopefully too to come through and um, so yeah brilliant it, I'd say it would have been hard if Offaly had lost two years running after losing in a replay last year. So I'd say there's great relief there that they got over the line. And uh, so well done to them. And Leash, great game. And that's the two counties we want to see thriving, bringing those players through, as Brian said. Westmead were minor B Shield champions. I had the honour of commentating on that myself last week, beating Ross Common 115 to 3-3. And of course, I think we'll finish out Wicklow, All-Ireland Minor Championship, Ocananna with a club as well. There's good things happening in the Garden County. Yes, it is, and it shows what can be done. As I said, if 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 you can get get them at 13, 14 and really put the structures in place and get some good people to run the teams who are you, you know motivated and then who motivate the girls, it can be done. There's no there's no doubt about it, Darren. They can. And uh, Wicklow are showing strides and fair play to them. Well done to all of them as well. And Brian, thanks a million for joining us here in Sports Stars Camogie. I have no doubt we'll talk again very soon on the 16 championship around the corner. Yes, I, I watched the game the weekend. Um, Kilkenny in Dublin and the Leinster has started here. So, yeah, uh, interesting. I think Cork will be your will be your anti-post favourites there. Uh, again, as I spoke earlier about the five, uh, there's four of them who played in the under-16 final last year who are there again this year at, at three and six, young Hurley, young Goulding. So, again, as we were talking about Cork earlier, <laughs> I think early doors, Cork will be the the team, um, Galway will always be around there as well. I think Kilkenny and Wexford. I, I I go for a shout at the moment, Darren, as maybe as a as one to make the maybe shock people and maybe make the four. I think there's a good under sixteen team in Wexford this year. They love you down in the southeast. We look forward to seeing how that pans out. Brian Rovi, thanks a million for joining us here in Sports Stars Camogie. You're welcome, Darren. Thank you. I like listening Sports Stars because. I like to listen to Ladies Football and Ladies Camogie. So welcome back here to the final segment of Sports Dance Camogie. I'm Darren Kelly and Killian's back here with us. And Killian, two big games taking place on Sunday. Now, at the time we're recording, we don't have the official fixtures, uh, but uh, they probably are out by the time the podcast goes out as well. But, uh, you know, there's no Division 1 matches this weekend. There's no finals this weekend, but they're two very, very tasty ties. Yeah, two, uh, I have to say, and I'm just looking here, actually, Darren, at the website as uh, we speak, and they've been, just been confirmed. So um, semi-finals on um, Sunday taking place, one o'clock in Netwatch, Cullen Park in Carlow, Waterford and Wexford, and at three o'clock in Edenderry, Antrim taking on Cork. So Aaron Hogg is in Carlow and Gavin Dunnigan is in Edenderry. So both of those games uh, taking place and uh, we've been informed as well just as we were um, starting off here that uh, both of those games are going to be streamed so great opportunity to watch those and I think Darren you know when you're when you're looking at it um, they're all four teams in a rich vein of form um, three of the four are going to be in the senior championship this year and Cork look like you know they could be the, the, the ones that might be in the running for the intermediate crown you know so like this is going to be no easy uh, run here with either of these semi-finals and we could be in for two right crackers. I'd say we will as well and you know and uh, the argument will come up another day about should the league be two up two down and some of these teams cork aside because they can't go up but that's probably the only thing stopping them. Before we talk about the matches let's talk about Wexford because also the day we're recording um, it's all over the papers now 
Um, dual Dilemma looms in Wexford for Camogie and ladies football in the Irish Independent. Uh, Wexford ladies footballers are playing Roscommon in their Division 3 little final on Sunday in St. Brendan's Park in Burr and of course this game now has been fixed for 1 o'clock in Carlow now some people can make the argument all they want that it gives the players an opportunity to play both games we're talking about player welfare and all that but like I'm thinking about Sarah Harding, Kenny and Eilish Neville in particular they're the ones in the position like they shouldn't be in this position we all agree with that but does the conversation have to take place at some stage, Killian, that at the end of the day, these organisations find a dual player playing the backside, but it doesn't happen in GA anymore, and maybe they're getting phased out, whether we like it or not? Yeah. It's... Like we can have our votes in Congresses and all that, but it only works in practice. And we're here we are again in this situation, a semi-final against the final. And I have a funny feeling it won't be the last time. And I'm not... First things first, there's two of them in it now, so we, we can't just go here and attack the Camogie Association on it. You know, maybe they could have done more on it, who knows? And I believe Congress on the Saturday is the reason being given that it's not happening. But again, we're having this like, you know, the two games are on, you know, it doesn't matter if they're three hours apart. That's asking an awful lot of the players to be involved. They shouldn't be in this position, but are we having to start to accept this part of the conversation? If integration comes in, the dual player is going to be one of the things that's going to be sacrificed in this. Yeah, I, if this happened to our dual players, are they being discouraged? Which is wrong. Well, I, I don't, I don't think the organisation of, of of matches helps in in ways, and um, you know, I I don't think when and this is not against any of the organisations, but I don't think when one fixes their matches, they're worrying about what the other one does mm. at the moment. Um, obviously, when integration happens, maybe you know at a central unit then that you're aware that. Um, Sarah Harding, Kenny or Ailey Schnevel have a game of camogie on Saturday well then they can't play ladies football on Saturday so we'll, that game has to be on Sunday and you would imagine when it's coming from a central hub that it might be a, a, a little bit more straightforward Darren I don't know I, I would hope that when the integration happens and when the big thing is ultimately around fixtures and venues I think when it comes to integration whatever but anything else that you know if, if there's an awareness of this then that that happens but I'm sure you know like I, I know um, our sure whore Sinead McNulty is quoted in that article yep. and you know she gave an explanation here to uh, to Colin Keyes, who wrote the article in the Independent, that like you know she was um, pointed out that we work very hard to deliver the optimum schedule to all competitions throughout the year and minimise clashes. The advent of the split season means that all intercounty fixtures are within the same period for all four field sports codes. So there's additional pressure on all associations, logistics facilities, and sports as a result of the shorter intercounty time allocation. Now that is a point, and I think mm. you know we've you and I have argued here over the last uh, number of weeks at different occasions that the Camogie Association have to be cut a bit of slack here because obviously with this whole element of the split season and everything until 2022, well. it's catch up and everything like that, until 2022 is over and done with, well, we probably can't make too much of bones about this. But the one thing that maybe seems to be thrown out there is the reason why this uh, game is not being able to be facilitated on the Saturday is that obviously officials will be at the, the Camogie Congress, which is taking place in the Carrigdale uh, this coming Friday and Saturday. And that, that is the reason why. And, you know, the word I'm getting from, uh, and, and and obviously Kevin Tatton alludes to it there within the article as well, is that, you know, it's it's an event that's not affecting the players. You know, it's not a player that's causing the, the situation. So why can't players go ahead and play the match? Like they're not going to be in the Carrigdale 
uh, on on Friday mm. or Saturday, and there's probably some relevant in that. Now, obviously, you know um, the ruling that there has to be officials at these venues and and uh, whatever, and obviously that there has to be a county secretary available on the line and whatever. But I believe a county secretary can nominate a person, can't they, to be in their place to be able to be on the line in the event of 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 different in, an incident or, or or substitutions or whatever. So yeah, we have assistant secretaries for a reason. Yeah. So like I I I I don't know why why um why that can be facilitated. I I would assume. You know, they're sticking to the gun over the fact that the fixture was always down for the 3rd of mm. April. And they do make and, that point and, and in fairness to the Camogie Association. They do make yeah. that point the counties knew in advance um, from early January when the fixtures were made. And like, I understand where Wexford are coming from too in that uh, they made contact as soon as the footballers were through to their final and then the Camogie qualified for the semi. And because the Camogie qualified later, it makes more sense for Camogie to facilitate as well. You can also make the other argument as well that the LGFA are using up two weekends for their league finals and did they need to do that could they not have all their league finals the following week as well so there's a lot of things to come into play here but at the end of the day it all comes back and Sarah Hardy and Kenny and Ailish Neville that have been put in this position Yeah and it's and ultimately you know as you said the player and if you're talented enough at, at, at two games that it can happen and look Darren it, it I suppose in the long in the, you know in the, in the scheme of things you're an organisation you're trying to put a fixtures plan together and there's so many players involved and so many counties involved that there's going to be an issue somewhere. And like, I, I don't know how much you can do when it comes down to single volume of players. You know, you're talking about probably yeah. two players here. So someone might say, well, hold on. There's a couple of thousand playing camogie, you know, the, and, and there's so many, whatever thousand playing ladies football. And if you have a crossover, then a crossover, how many over all the counties, how many crossovers would there be? There might be what less than less than fifty, probably. You know, overall, I don't know, less than a hundred, maybe. Definitely, I'm just throwing figures out of the air here, so don't quote, quote me direct on it. But when it comes down to it, then that here we have just a situation where there's one or two players involved. Well, you know, a fixture secretary probably can say, "Well, I, I, I can do my best," but. I can't pull, you know, a rabbit out of a hat in this situation. Well, does this come back again to the, like, we know every situation can't be avoided, but we are talking about semi-final against the final. Mm. And like, again, now, and we both clarified it too, we can see the Camogie Association side of this as well, and we can see the LJFA side. And look, I, I personally can't understand why the game can be played on Saturday, but that's just a personal opinion. Could this not have been dealt with back in January when these fixtures took place? And somebody said, look, what happens here if we've got clashes on the 3rd of April? Because, and again, the point on the LGFA are using two weekends for theirs, maybe they don't need to, and the Kaboki Association have their Congress, I get that. But I don't understand why the, oh, we have to shut down the game for a day when the option is there, especially when Wexford ladies footballers, in fairness to them, had qualified for their game before the Wexford Kaboki team had. That's true. I find it hard to disagree or argue with anything that, you, that, that you've said there. And, you know, there, there, there could be a situation as well where some people might say that, you know, the, the, the way the things have gone with the league, that Camogie were always on Saturday, ladies football were always on Sunday. Now, I know there was the odd difference here and there, but, you know, then you could argue that, the, you know, the Camogie semi-finals are here on a Sunday up against the two ladies football uh, finals. But, um Look, Darren, I don't know. I don't envy being an administrator and I don't envy being somebody over fixtures. It, it, it's hard to, I would imagine, get it right at all costs. I don't know whether now when you see a one o'clock throw in, is that in some way to facilitate 
um, Ailish Neville or Sarah Harding Kenny to be able to get from Carlo to Burr. I I I can't see that I, unless now there's some agreement that you know Kevin Tatton is able to play them and then you know if there was a situation where he could release them away early that they make it to Burr because you know there there might be from my knowledge anyway, there might be a situation where both of those players might be needed more by the ladies football team than they might be by the Camogie team. So, you know, that's just my opinion. It's not, I'm not saying that that's a definite, but, you know, they're two talented players. It's still a players. situation they shouldn't have to be put in. No, exactly. You know. Absolutely. Uh, like, you know. And the thing is, as well, if it goes back to, I suppose, my original point, because, look, if they have to pick, they're going to pick a final, and rightfully so. But on the Camogie side of things, like this is a massive game for Wexford because, mm. again, it goes back to the conversation where they one up, one down. These are two of the best six teams in the country. No yeah. matter what way you look at it, like on, on form, I know Dublin and Clare will have their chance to dispute that later in the year. But like they are two of the top six teams in the country. But one of them is going to be playing Division Two again next year. We knew that from the start of the year, anyway. But yeah. it, this is hanging over, hanging over the game, and like the one o'clock up against four o'clock is is a better thing. But it's still, it'll bring out the player welfare conversation. And again, it comes back to like the way the and. Like, don't get me wrong here now when I say this before people start throwing things at their, at their laptops or, or sending me file emails and things like that. I support the dual player. I think we should be ambassadors of the game. But the game has gotten so professional. We've seen that the dual player do, doesn't really exist in the men's game anymore. And dare I say, are we going down that path that it's, it's going to be the same way in the women's game in about five, ten years' time? Yeah, well, I think that's that's the situation that we're probably are heading in, Darren, and it's going to be an unfortunate situation. But you know, and and unless you have, you know, a scenario where integration works on that in in lots of ways and uh, creates maybe a clear pathway for players, I I think you are heading into a situation where you're obviously going to have to decide. You know, like we're we're seeing. A, let's say a, a, on a bigger scale, you know, a number of the lady footballers that are playing out in Australia are quickly going to have to make a decision there. Are they going to have to park their football career with their counties here at home to concentrate on playing in in Australia because they're not all going to be able to do both? Um, I think, you know, being able to be a multiple sports star is going to be more and more difficult going forward. As this, You know, just I think the way things have gone with the games and whatever, but like... To me, if we can facilitate a dual player, we should be able to do so. Um, and, and and that comes from, you know, a, a collective effort. The, the thing is, is that we're all probably across the board. There is a mining of your own turf. And, and, and unfortunately, players then can, you know, suffer in that kind of situation, you know. But um, I think it could get easier, Darren, with, again, a central fixtures base that all the fixtures are thrown into a whatever computer, let's say, at the start of the year across the GA family and are churned out then and you're given, you know, the consequences of, well, we have dual players in Wexford or we have dual players in Galway or we have dual player whatever and they, they can't cross-reference. And I would imagine, oh, look, the best of luck. I, I, I see the struggle that can happen, Darren, when you're trying to do a, a school timetable and put subjects across. So imagine doing all those fixtures into one and then you have to factor in a dual player in it as well. I'm sure someone is going to go here, hold on now for a second. If we take the dual players out of this system, it all of a sudden becomes very easy to put the fixtures on. So yeah, maybe, you know, if you're if you're being real about it, I think, you know, in the next five to 10 years, it's going to be very hard to see uh, ultimately if uh, a dual player can be able to turn out, yeah. 
I think that's only one thing. We'll move on here. I don't think it does anybody any favor. It's like the women's game when the county's on the same day, regardless. Anyway, whether there's dual players or not, because you're, you're trying to get people to to support the counties. But either way, that's the situation as it stands. The game is down for one o'clock in Netbutch, Doctor Cullen Park on on Sunday at one o'clock, and then St Brendan's Park in Burr has the ladies' football match at four, and. You know, I, I feel for Sarah Hardy and Kenny and Ailish Neville who give so much to their teams that haven't been put in that situation. We also have to acknowledge that the organisations have split the Royal Ireland semi-finals after originally clashing too, so some dialogue does take place there as well. Um, and part of our pick on Wexford moment, Wexford had a few problems internally, I'm reading here in the Wexford people, and Chloe Fox is no longer part of the panel, and it's been suggested that, pretty, quite simply, herself and manager Kevin Tatton are not in the same wavelength. Yeah, well, you know, it, it that seemed to be a suggestion that was coming um, my way in the last forty-eight hours or thereabouts. As I was just kind of inquiring about how things were down in the in the sunny southeast, Darren, uh, and like Chloe Fox would be a huge loss to that team. Um, Kevin seems to be a fairly structured organizer. You know, has obviously um, lifted. The, the, the fortunes of Wexford Camogie there, there's no question about it. A man who came from, I suppose, a little bit outside the sport, um, you know, he had obviously his connections, but, you know, that would have been talented in in, in um, managing in other, in other sports, but was bringing some of that then to the Camogie um, and obviously rec- make certain requirements that some are not maybe willing to, 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 to take on. I don't know. I don't know the full ins and outs. You'd love to hear from either one to be able to explain that. But uh, as you were saying there, they seem to be on different wavelengths. What, what's that an explanation for? Maybe there were certain demands made and, um, you know, Chloe has decided anyway to maybe step away or, 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 or has been asked to leave the stage. We, we, I, we don't have any clarity on that, Darren. But like, again, I don't think a county like Wexford can afford to be losing someone like Chloe Fox. No, most certainly not. And even just reading the same article in the Wexford people suggesting she could end up with the footballers with Lizzie Kent and John Nolan too. And we know Chloe's a very, very good footballer as well. It's a big year for Wexford because after the progress they've made in the last two years, in fairness, but especially last year, making an All-Ireland quarterfinal and, you know, they weren't far away in the league either. You know, people are going to see Wexford start getting into knockout matches more competitive. They were very poor against Kilkenny in the All-Ireland quarterfinal last year. Playing Division 2, you can only beat what's put in front of you. Same as their opponents, Waterford. You know, Waterford have probably made it look a bit easier the way they've won their three games so far. But Wexford have done that. They've had A. Kern flying it as always as well. Joanne Dillon there as well too. Uh, Leah Walsh, uh, well capable of getting some scores as well. Um, they're in the semi-final. Um, no doubt at the start of the year, and I should we should include Antrim in this conversation, but like when you're seven and eight, we're looking at this, you were talking about Waterford and Wexford during the year. They, these two probably reckon they were going to meet at some stage. This is the most important, could arguably be a more important match between these two than their championship match later in the year. Yeah, it, it could be, in, uh, as you rightly say there, um, because I just think getting back to Division 1, I think it's another step for Wexford. I think Wexford would like to be getting back to the knockout stages of the Senior Championship again. Uh, but I, I still think, Darren, there's probably another year in Wexford. You know, it's it, it's it's a, it's a learning kind of curve. But, you know, one of them is not going to be playing in Division 1 next year, as you, as you rightly pointed out. So, you know, it's it, that means this fixture in Carlo on Sunday is a real... 
championship feel about it and I, I would kind of suggest that maybe yeah they, there's no doubt that it's uh, of more importance because I think if you want to be serious about challenging at senior uh, you have to be playing in division one of the league and um, that's that's I think the ultimate target for uh, for both uh, units here at the weekend and like like Wexford Darren, there was serious um, across that group that they were in in group one you know that they were in there with Cork and uh, Derry and uh, Mead, Kildare, you know, they, they, the lowest score they got was 14 points and then they scored 220 against Derry and they scored two goals in every other match then from there on. You know, like it, it, it's a phenomenal scoring record uh, that they uh, ultimately are on and obviously came through there then with their win against uh, uh, Kilkenny. Not an, uh, um, a hugely impressive performance, but still, um, you know, like a Kilkenny team, obviously that were in the All Ireland uh, Intermediate Final last year, you know, put it up to Wexford, and uh, but they 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 got there. Waterford, they've been chipping along there with their with their business, you know, and again, you know, beat Kilkenny is that obviously that that, that Wexford dealt with similar score in a way. So it's going to be interesting to see is that a measure of where we see both of them um, put up a big beat into Tipperary, obviously who you know they're in the Premier Junior Championship and obviously relegated now out Division Two uh, for uh, next year, having um, you know lost out. Well, they're sorry they're playing. I should say they lost out to Leash. They're playing Kildare in the, in the relegation final, so they've won last chance there. But you know Tipperary took big beatings uh, along the way throughout the whole league. So Waterford. You know, if you're judging them against their performance against Westmead, against Kilkenny, um, you know, and against Tipperary, their biggest win against Tipperary, um, you know, like it, it, it probably they had a couple of closer matches uh, within that group, but still, you know, they're 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 one of the favourites. It's going to be a hard one to call between both of those, uh, judging on 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 those games that they've played, Darren. So, um, but. You know there is the carrot there getting back to Division One, and uh, and and you know they're they're two. How would you put it, juggernauts of the Camogie world that you'd want to have back there? Wexford have taken a bit of a longer route to to get back, but uh, you know Waterford want to bounce back straight away. I I'd find it nearly impossible to call that game, Darren. But like, if there's a little unrest and um, Chloe Fox gone from the unit, when especially when you have a dual player issue, and you probably don't want that either. Um, you know, maybe just maybe Waterford are keeping their powder dry, and this could be an opportunity for them to score one over their uh, southeast rivals. Yeah, player did impress for Waterford last day. Tara Power, I think she top scored with 2-2. Beth, of course, got 1-2 as well. Lorraine Bray getting uh, another goal as well. Um, Neve Rocket scored two points. I'm just trying to see what position Neve Rocket played. Um, I just can't see it there in this match report. Oh, she came off the bench, actually. So no doubt she'll be starting as well. So Waterford bringing players in. Um, Tara Power and Beck Carton in the half forward line at the moment this year. Do we know Beck could play anywhere? Uh, Wexford's half back line, Amy Cardiff, Michelle Martin and Emma Walsh. There's always the option of bringing Sarah O'Connor back but Sarah's been in midfield with Orla Senate where them up against Lorraine Bray and Kate Lynch will be a, a, two tasty jewels in themselves anyway um, like it's quite simply supply of ball Wexford like Wexford have to win that midfield battle hands down yeah because Lorraine Bray seems to be uh, you know revitalising in some ways Darren she always have to say a serious player former all-star and you know a, a, a serious player for Waterford over the years but now playing a more forward role uh, from midfield and like if Wexford I don't think get a handle on her she's going to cause all sorts of problems like Lorraine has been popping up with scores I know she was always good for one or two for wing back but she's pushed that on out to nearly three or four a game Darren whether it's goals or points you know so she she's really grown into it uh, Neva's on a on, on, on a slow comeback there Um, I think I don't think featured in a couple of the early games for Waterford but Waterford seems to have introduced one or two 
players uh, that seem to have bedded in quite quickly. And like all they need is somebody in the forwards to take some of the pressure off Bet Carton. I would think Darren and being in Division Two probably hasn't done them any harm. It's given an opportunity maybe to see some of their younger players um, uh, that have you know progressed on the underage system over the last couple of years. So you know I think that maybe Division Two if if um, we were talking to management, they'll be probably happy enough with how it's progressing, but they'll want to get back to Division 1. That that ultimately is uh, their target. But if Wexford has said don't get a handle on Lorraine Bray and you're talking there about Tara Power and Beck Carton, what they've done, and if you throw Neve Rocket and Abby and Flynn and everyone else into the mix as well, you know, Shona Kern was up for an All-Star nomination. You know, the, the, the impact that she ultimately can have on games. Like um, this Waterford team... Could, could all of a sudden be putting down a marker here this weekend, Darren, to go on and win a title. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're thinking, hey, hold on, we could be talking about these again at the business end of the championship. Yeah, and like Waterford could pick up a win and happen as well to keep it going on. The same can be applied to Wexford as well, which got us in there. Well, Wexford are improved and we've always felt the Waterford are the, are the biggest threat to the top four in regards to trying to break that semi-final thing later in the year. Are we going with Waterford, Killian? Is that the way we're leading? I just think with the situation at the moment, unless there's a bit of clarity for Kevin Tatton with uh, the dual players and the decision that's made, like I think if Sarah Harding-Kenny and Nailish Neville have to make Especially Sarah Harding-Kenny, who's likely yeah. to start. Yeah, I think if they have to make a choice and they end up uh, going, you know, if they're split in any way, Darren, or if they're if they're um, in one location over the other, you know, like I think if they turn up in Carlo and they're given full behind the camogie, well then, you know, it's going to be a tight one to call. Um, I do think the Chloe Fox situation, unless obviously they've dealt with it in over the last couple of weeks and it's been, you know, worked on and, and moved on at this stage, like if that's something that's been a more recent upset um, within the Wexford camp, well, then that could be a factor in just taking the eye off the ball a little bit. And I just think, as I said, Waterford going about their business seemed very workmanlike this year, keeping the, keeping the nose clean. You know, they're not, um, you know, really coming to our attention, let's say, in any way, other than their performances on the field of play. There hasn't been kind of any talks of player unrest. There's been no walkouts. There'll be no public outbursts or anything like that. I'm not saying that it's ever too much ever come across from Waterford before, but there seems to be, as I said, a little bit of unrest in, in Wexford. And the focus now at the moment is that Kevin Tatton, I'd imagine, doesn't want is that he's worrying about dual players and, and the clashes of fixtures and, and uh, rather than having his full focus on a match this coming uh, Sunday. That then would just give me kind of leanings towards Waterford that uh, the formal arrangement Bray and and I said that the, that Waterford seemed to have maybe found one or two other scoring forwards to take some of the pressure off Bet. That probably just gives me a nod towards Waterford. Waterford getting the nod there from Killian. Uh, that's the first game, one o'clock in Carlow. The second game, three o'clock in Eaton Derry. Antrim, All Ireland Intermediate Champions up against the only team to beat them in the Championship last year, Cork. They were in that very, very tight group. And of course, we were shocked when Cork got knocked out of the Championship, though we would have been if it was to Kenny or Antrim as well. First question I have to put to you, Killian. Maeve Kelly, you saw her up close and personal on Friday night. You met her hop up on stage twice for crying out loud, poor lady. Um, she's a massive blow for Antrim. Now they've, they've good replacements and they'll be competitive but that's a, that's a, a major deal now having Maeve Kelly yeah but Maeve hasn't been there now for all of the league Darren so you know I think they've, they've, they've more or less um, been able to deal with that and 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 chip on yeah like she, look she's a player you don't want to be without there's no question and she can be such a player that would turn a game on a, on, on very little and, and turn it in a winning favour but uh, you know I know Maeve was getting a little bit emotional around the whole talk but uh, 
when when she might return or whatever. She's not. She said she's gone fed up now at this stage, thinking about um what needs to be done in that sense. So she's just going to allow her body to heal, and I suppose that's a good thing mentally for her to be just focused on getting the body right. And and if, if she makes it back, she makes it back. Um, but otherwise, you know, Antrim are going to truck on here, and like you know, you, you you've only got to look at some of the form of the of the players uh, that that they've been in, like you know, and you see Chloe Drain. And uh, others at the back leading leading by example, closing down the house there. The concession in games, Darren, has been quite small. They have handed out big hammering, obviously, to Kerry in the first game, although that was a Kerry team that were without all the crew that were involved, obviously, with Clan Morris. They did fulfil the fixture because they were worried about club action at that stage. Close enough game, but Galway travelled to Antrim. Galway came away uh, with a four-point defeat there. Antrim, you know, on home turf, that probably was their toughest game. They handed out then a big beating to Leash uh, along the way as well. And uh, obviously, he then qualified as group winners and away at then Cork who you know have as I said a bit of a I think you know marked them out maybe as one to watch for the championship overall um, they were obviously in that group along with uh, Wexford succumbed to Wexford in the first game and then you know secured big wins themselves against uh, uh, Kildare uh, you know Derry who were in a good vein of form went down to them and they were defeated them in the Cork Camogie grounds and then the travel to Mead where I give a nod towards Mead but Cork that was a very impressive performance in Park Talton that day and that probably marked them out then for me that here these guys are going to have to be watched for for championships so Cork you know have uh, bounced along there then and I think then last weekend you know a Galway team that as you said under Molly Dunn I thought were were progressing along quite nicely um, might have been you know shaping up um, in getting into the knockout stages of this league campaign to to maybe set them up for championship now we're rocked back on their heels a little bit in preparation wise for the next mm. few weeks uh, by being beaten by Cork by six points so this Cork Cantrum game Darren this could be very very tight again as well it's a, an intriguing encounter in Eden Derry um, but I just think Antrim buoyed by you know form that they've been in that seem to have shown very little respect to any team they've come up against they've gone out there they've done their job and uh, I just think a little bit of last year a bit of hurt as well from last year of losing out to Cork I think they'll want to give them a little bit back and uh, I think Antrim you know as I said where they're kind of thinking about wanting to push on Darren and, and, and maybe be seen to be taken seriously maybe at senior championship level then they probably are eyeing the fact that if they want to be able to compete at senior championship they have to be in division one and uh, you know to be taken one step closer so I'm giving a close enough nod here to Antrim just purely based on the fact I think some of their performances have been on another level and I think they, they, they might just have too much for Cork Yeah and like even look at the quality names that they have there Roshi McCormick Katrine Dobb and yeah. Anya McGill you've mentioned a few as well you'll see McNaughton and Nicole O'Neill around the middle too though Cork have a few big names like Joanne Casey, Finona Neville brings a bit of experience. Of course, the one thing about Cork, if they were to win this league, it'd bring us down to eight in the top flight, which might work out perfect for the Camogie Association. But you'd have to imagine that like, Antrim have, have ambitions of senior um, success, whether that involves the O'Duffy Cup or not. Like, you know, and the pressure will be the, on them to deliver this result against the Cork team that will probably ask the questions of Antrim's management that they want their team answered. Yeah, like I, I think for, you know, if you if if you're your three of the four are going to be in the senior championship, and I I think these are the games that you want in, in run up to championship, Darren. So like if you're Antrim and even if you defeat Cork, you know you're then going to be playing Waterford or Wexford who are in the senior championship, 
and ahead of that you're having another big game so like no matter what the, all the management here are probably thinking these are the right games that we're going to have a right flow of these over the next number of weeks in preparation for championship so that's why I think these two semi-finals they, like I've predicted Antrim and Waterford they very could easily go the other way um, you know both of these uh, semis so um, like it, it's like Better weather conditions, better ground conditions, all should be conducive to, to, to some good fare this Sunday afternoon. And as I said, looking forward to seeing both of them. Um, and yeah, like, you know, as I said, if we're coming out with Eden Derry on Sunday evening with Cork having won, I wouldn't be surprised either. I, I just think, as I said, Antrim, the, 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 the formula it's in and the whole graph, the way they are heading, the trajectory that it's heading, I just think that that's why, you know, they want to be putting themselves in, in pole position. Antrim Waterford finals the way Killian is looking at it and of course don't forget those two games are live on Sunday on the Camogie Association YouTube channel in association with Entry whether it's myself and Killian in the respective commentary boxes we will find out you'll have to tune in Sunday to find <laughs> out but we hope you enjoyed the show a lot we got through over this show of course a lot going on at the moment uh, regards getting ready for the summer few issues to address no doubt we'll have more of the same again next week where we will also be previewing the National League Division 1 final Galway against Cork and looking ahead to the Division 2 final between the two winners from Sunday's game. So with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Darren Kelly. This was Sports Stars Kamoki. I'd like to thank my partner in crime one last time, Killian Whelan. Thanks indeed, Darren, and all to look forward to. And hopefully, I know Komogi Congress, we wish the best of luck to all those administrators who are heading along to that. Hopefully it continues uh, in fine vein that we don't hear of any controversy emerging out of it. But, uh, you know, the big thing, obviously, is the motion being put forward by the Komogi Association for the whole element of integration. As we know, that was released in a press release there back at the end of February. So hoping all that carries, and I'd expect that it should. And, uh, you know, that drives on the Komogi Association um, with regards to that whole idea of integration going forward. So all that to look forward to with Carrie Dale as well over the weekend. 